Almighty God, there is none like you. I worship you, O Prince of Peace. That is what I want to do. I give you praise, for you are my righteousness. desperately, desperately need to come into your presence and to be renewed and refreshed in my spirit, oh God. Because my spirit has somehow starved. It hasn't had the nutrition. It hasn't had the fellowship. It hasn't had the company of the spirit of God as much as I would like it. Because week after week, as the days grow closer to the Lord Jesus and his return, I become hungrier and hungrier and more thirsty for you, oh God. I just want your presence and I want more of you, more of you in my life and heart, more of me in your presence, 
more time of you, more time with you, more satisfied in you, oh God. Lord, would you satisfy my soul this morning? Would you usher me into your presence? Would you forgive my sin? Would you give me new life? Let me hear your voice. Let me be assured that I am yours and you are mine. I love you, Jesus. understand in ways that our defenses will fall to the ground as we receive the love and grace that only the Lord Jesus can give. If there's someone here needing an extra dose of that grace because they're feeling guilty or filthy or far, Lord God, we embrace them. Would they see you running towards them this morning, I pray. 
Let them see you running towards them like the prodigal son's father. Father, there's anybody here who needs healing and their bodies have been ailed by illnesses that you have not allowed. But it is the work of the wicked one. Then in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I ask that healing would be given, granted this morning in that name of Jesus. For those who, whose light has flickered and they are having fluctuation in their spiritual walk, they are having, uh, they don't have that pump of, of power and electricity and, and, and that source of energy from the Spirit of God and their spiritual life has waned and they are feeling uh, weak, oh God, revive them today. And for those who are here for the first time and don't know what's going on, Fill them with so much joy that at least that's the thing they take away with them. Speak to our hearts this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know what Easter is? Not Easter egg, Easter. So you have Good Friday, then you have Saturday, then Easter, and we are back in NCUI Auditorium this Easter. So we're going to be in NCUI Auditorium, 620 seats. You have to bring your friends, your relatives, your loved ones, your enemies, your pets, you have to bring everybody because you have to fill that place up. How much foreknowledge am I giving you? How much intimation am I giving you? Today is the 25th. Five weeks. Five weeks. So don't walk into NCI alone. I don't have any friends. Only Jesus is my friend. That's what looks like. We're going to give you invitations, WhatsApp on WhatsApp, Facebook, everything. Pass it on. Make, make sure the people are there. The message is going to be a gospel message. It's going to be a lot of music. And our own Covenant Life worship team, we're going to pull all the talent we've got. You'll be amazed how much we actually have. And we're going to put them all on stage and uh, let them give them triangles and everything. Uh, we're going to have a great time. All right, so at 10 o'clock on, on Easter Day, 1st of April, and uh, make sure that you start praying for that announcing it. I also want to just let it out that we are also back with summer camp. We have taken a two or three year break and we're back with summer camp. So we're going to have summer camp from 2nd to the 7th of June and it's going to cost more than 5,000 rupees, about five to 6,000 rupees. So my advice to you is that every month pay off 1,000 rupees. Pay off 1,000 rupees and it won't hurt. You know, the, the burden that you come up to camp with the, the trauma that you go through when it all comes together. I mean, the same amount you'd spend on one dress in the mall. <laughs> but that's a different thing. I mean, that's life. Okay, so I would, I would honestly say that any, anyone who'd like to go to camp is welcome. If you're very old in our opinion, then I'll give you work. Okay, very good. So three-part series. And I'm calling this series the Passion Renewals because we're in the Passion 40 days and I've been doing this tool which I'm amazed that God is using so beautifully and uh, every day people from all over India and around the world are saying, you know, where's the next day, where's the next day and they're following it and I praise God that he's using that. So every day we're having a spiritual renewal 40 days but over the three weeks I want to do three renewals, renew our passion for giving, renew our passion for growing and renew our passion for gathering. So if I talk about money today, it's not just that. We're going to talk about growing and we're going to talk about gathering as well. Have I lost you? Everybody with me? Okay, three G's. Number one, giving, growing and gathering. So we're going to be doing that. Renew our passion for these three things. All right. Did we already pray? 
Yeah. Romans chapter 14, verse 7 and 8 has a very interesting verse that uh, applies to our heart before we think about passion. For none of us lives to himself, it says. Look at the scripture in your Bible, preferably, if not on the screen. None of us lives to himself. First of all, is that even true? Is that even true? None of us lives to himself. We're not living for ourselves. Life is not about me. And none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's possessor. We are the Lord's. We belong to him. We were bought with a price. We are not our own. We don't live for ourselves. Our lives are not about how we look, how we feel, how we think. We want to be God's. We want to belong to Jesus. We want to live for Jesus. We want to love Jesus and love like Jesus. So in the sanctifying process of giving ourselves completely away to him, in, in bringing everything of our lives away from them, two things in our life don't quite uh, uh, come under Christ easily. They don't, they, they don't get sanctified easily. You know what those two things are? Your wallet and your watch. Those are the two things that don't come close to the cross. We keep it far away from the cross. Your wallet and your watch. Your time and your money. And those are the things that we, 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 we negotiate. We bargain. We just we, we try and figure out a way to, to, to rationalize spending that on ourselves. I want to spend my money on myself. I want to spend my time on myself. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. I'm busy. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I wish I could give more, but I don't have enough money. I wish I could be more generous. I don't have enough money. My dear friends, my brothers, my sisters, and everybody else. Whatever you are in shortage of is what you need to release more of. Whatever you are in shortage of is what you need to release more of. Because you are a conduit and not a reservoir. You're a conduit and not a reservoir. So when there's a block and whatever little is coming, if that's all you have, it's because you are blocked. And if you release, God would send a lot more through you. He says, redeem the time, which means time can be bought back. He says, give generously and I always put you in a position to be more generous in everything. So it is a matter of mindset, shortage. Whatever you are in shortage of, you need to release more of. Today I want to talk about reviving our passion for giving. Reviving our passion for giving. Some of you never have enough money. And you know what? You never will. You never will. Why? Because you haven't understood how money works. Some of you never have enough time. You never will. And the reason for that is because you don't understand what, how time works. How sowing works. When you sow something, you reap back the same amount. Correct? You never reap back the same amount. And the sowing principle is what God wants us to understand with resources that are in time-bound existence here on earth. Time and money are both seeds that can be sown which you will get back in return. That's why he says redeem the time. That's why he says invest your money. Whatever you're in shortage of is what you need to release more. Turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4 verses 10 through 19. If you don't have a Bible, you should buy one. And if you don't, if you're not, don't have money, to buy a Bible. I will buy you one, but it's on the screen. <coughs> so please turn in your PowerPoints to 
Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 19. Let me work through this passage of scripture. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived. Got that? You got that word? Renewal, revival. I rejoice greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. Paul is speaking to the Philippian church. He says, you were indeed once concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. But you had no opportunity. Now that I'm speaking, not that I'm speaking of being in need. Please don't miss any word. Every word is important. Got it? Not that I'm speaking of being in need. So I'm not saying, please give me. I have need. People don't like to give to need. He says, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Paul is speaking. Some of these verses are going to be so familiar to you that you're going to switch off. So don't. Be very careful about that. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Verse 12, he says, I know, underline that. I know, not I feel, I think, I know how to be brought low. I know how to live with little money. I know how to abound. I know what to do with lots. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and facing hunger. I have learned what attitude to have when the bank is empty. I have learned what attitude to have when the bank is full. I have learned how to approach uh, oppression and how to approach you know, uh, adversity. I've also learned how to approach abundance and blessing. He says, I know, I have learned. You notice those words? I know, I have learned. Verse 13 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We use this verse like anything. <laughs> we just paste it on the wall, we cut paste, we WhatsApp it. We use it in every other situation except money. Except the very context for which it was put there is what we don't use it for. Paul says I can do all things, which means if I don't have money, I'm fine. If I have money, I'm fine. If I have adversity, I'm fine. If I have blessing and encouragement, I'm fine. I can work with both. Why? Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Apparently, when you don't have money, what you need is strength. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet, it was kind of you to share in my trouble. So I'm okay. I've got Jesus. I have his strength. I have learned and I know. I'm okay. But it was nice of you. It was kind of you to step forward in my time of need and to share that concern. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you. You are the church that gave. So Paul is not asking the Philippians to give. He's talking about how they gave. So the beautiful big verses of the scripture in this passage, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and my God shall supply all your needs. Those two massive verses don't have to do with giving. They have to do with gratitude. He's giving those verses to a crowd of people that has already shown concern. Did you get it? Did you get it? We use these verses. Come on, give more. Come on, give more. But Paul is using the verse saying, you have given. 
You have given. Look at this. Verse 14. Yet it was kind of you. You're the only one who partnered with me. You sent me help for my need once and again. Time and time again. No other church entered. It. I don't want you to miss verse 14. Verse 17. Not that I am seeking the gift. Not that I am the one looking for the gift. Seeking the gift. But I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Please look at that statement. Look at it first. Study it. Look at it. Not that I seek the gift. What is the gift? The money gift. But I seek the fruit. What is fruit? It's not money. It's a blessing to your account when you have given. So I, in my pastoral capacity, must also ensure that you are being blessed in the way you sow. I must teach you how to give. I must teach you how to invest. I must teach you to not hold on. I must teach you to release. Are you with me? I must teach you how to give because in giving there is the greater reward. See, but I already know how to give. No, you don't. But I'm already generous. No, you're not. You are generous by your standards, but by what you can be in Jesus, I can do all things. You have a long way to go. And it is my pastoral responsibility, Paul says to the Philippine church. And I say to you, it is our pastoral responsibility to teach you how to give. For those of you who are new and, and, and are here for the first time, I want to remind you that you don't pay me. And I don't draw a salary from government life. Not one rupee. In fact, I give more than 10%. So I have a job and I so I can ask you. Because I give more than you. In percentage. <laughs> so it's not for me, it's not for my gift, not for my need, but for the fruit that is accredited to your account. You getting that picture? Paul says it is a pastoral responsibility. Verse 17. Not that I seek the circle gift, but I seek the circle fruit. That increases to your credit. I have received, oh I love this verse. Verse 18, I have received full payment, Paul says. My, my bank is full, my check is covered. I have received full payment and more and I am well supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus, you dare name your kid that. I will not <laughs> dedicate the child. <laughs> I am well supplied having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent me, a fragrant offering, say a sacrificial, uh, accept, a sacrifice acceptable, and number three, and pleasing to God. So I am received, I have received full payment and more, I am well supplied, why? Because you have been generous with me. So he's talking to a group of people that has already been generous, has already given, he's not begging them to give, he's not asking them to give more. You got it? To these people, he says in verse 19, and my God will supply every need of yours in accordance in parallel to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus, to our God and Savior, Father be glory and majesty forever and ever. Amen. He says, I want you to give. And I want you to give because I want fruit to credit to your account. Not gifts, but fruit. And once you learn to give, you will understand how partnership in the gospel works. 
Many of you are saying, oh, I don't bring many people to Christ. I don't know how to share the gospel. I'm not, I'm not into ministry. I'm not into ministry. That's a big phrase. Hey, whatever you're into, what you can be into is partnering. And he says, you of all the people, even though none of the churches came alongside to partner with me, they didn't get it. You partnered with me and you made sure that I was okay, made sure that I was enough. You made sure that your pastors and evangelists and people serving the church were well stocked, well taken care of. You made sure of that. And that is why I say to you, my God, which God? The God who supplies me completely. The God who gives me completely. The God who looks after me completely. The God who gives me strength and adversity as well as an abundance. My God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Somebody say amen. amen. My God will supply. He is rewarding them with that promise because they have already given. We don't use that verse to get money. We use that verse to bless because you have given. Because you have given. My God will supply every need. Every need. Not every green. Every need. <coughs> so let's renew our giving. Let's renew our giving. Our passion for giving. If you're thinking we're great givers, we're not. Covenant life is not a great giver, giving church. Am I going to put you down right now? No, I'm not going to put us down. But you like finance supports. Many people like finance supports. And the truth of the matter is, out of 180 people in uh, about 200 people, 180 people who come to Covenant Life, only 25 people tithe. Not more than 25 people tithe. So those who tithe, we know how much that is. And if you take that amount out and you take the rest, and that is just the offering we give, the offering we give that we bless God, we come into His and we worship Him with our tithes and offerings. When we bless God, apart from the tithes that people have been sisters systematically and faithfully giving, if you take that out, we have given at the rate of 800 rupees per month per person. So that's not okay. Some parts of scripture call it robbing God. And I will not be a pastor of a church that robs God. For two reasons. It's not a good idea. And secondly, it blocks the blessing. It blocks the blessing. So when I don't give God, I'm saying your work's not important. When God, when you're telling God your work's not important, God will tell you your work's not important. Why should I bless your work when you're not blessing my work? Why should I prioritize your work when you prioritize my work? We have this engagement with the grace of God and we abuse the grace of God. Let me get hard here. Let me get a little tough on you with utter love from a pastoral heart, from a shepherding pastoral heart. You want God to bless your son and your daughter, but you don't teach your son and your daughter to prioritize God's work, God's worship and God's worth. Everything about your son and your daughter's life smacks of apathy when it comes to their spiritual life. Their spiritual life is not a priority either for you or for them. So we're growing a congregation and we're growing a generation of younger people who will put all spiritual things aside first and give attention to all financial and physical things first. And then we come into God's presence and say, bless me. How dare you? How dare you ask for God's blessing on your financial and physical life? when you don't submit to him in your spiritual life. 
we must understand that the grace of God is not up for abuse. The grace of God must bring us to a point where we're ready to give absolutely everything, including our children. Including our children. And we understand this about our work, but we don't understand this about our worship. We put everything else. There's a, there's a, there's a mentality, a perception, a philosophy of prioritization of the things of God. You can see it in the way people make decisions, in the way people approach the matters of the church, matters of worship, matters of time with God, matters of money with God, matters of the things of God, the work of God. You can see the way they prioritize it. You can see how quickly they will drop this for that, that for this. And by that you find out where their heart is. Where their heart is. And if you put a stethoscope to their heart, you will find the heart does not beat for God. It beats for everything from God. And I'm just talking on a human level, brother to sister, brother to brother, pastor to congregation. I'm saying, that's not okay. Let's put a stethoscope to heart and say, it's not okay. Let's renew our giving. Let's renew our gathering. Let's renew our growing. Are you with me? Spiritual health, spiritual checks are good. Health checks are good. And this is one of them. So how do we do that? What are the three things we're looking for? Verse 17. Having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable, and a pleasing to God sacrifice, a pleasing to God offering. Take those three things. Number one, a fragrant offering. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 2 says, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. A fragrant offering. How did Jesus give himself to us? As a fragrant <coughs> offering. He died on the cross. How is that a fragrant offering? Well, total love, sacrificial love gets you to, gets the aroma of your sacrifice all the way to heaven and it is a sweet smelling sacrifice to God. It's a sweet smelling sacrifice to God. A sacrifice always has aroma going up to God and God, that is the worship that we give to God. Number two, a sacrifice acceptable. Is your giving sending an aroma of worship to God? Is your giving sending a sacrifice that's acceptable to God? Romans chapter 12 verse 1, and 1, 2, and 3. I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. He doesn't use this word once, he uses it twice. To God, which is your spiritual worship, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable. So here I'm giving a sacrifice, but I'm also ascertaining the acceptability of my sacrifice. When you give your offering, do you ask yourself, Lord, is this acceptable? Is this an acceptable sacrifice? Is this an acceptable gift? Would you call it sacrifice? God who knows your finances, God who knows your giving, God who knows your capacity, God who knows your heart. Lord, do you think this is a sacrificial gift? Jesus sat on the sidelines. And he pointed to the Pharisees and he said, look at that woman. She has given everything she's got. He was talking percentage, not quantity. And he said, out of the sacrifice of what she has, she has sacrificed everything. And that's God's perspective on the whole matter. <coughs> Number one. Number one, a fragrant offering. Is my giving fragrant to God? Number two. Is it acceptable to God? Would you think that it is a sacrifice, O oh God? And number three, Lord, is it pleasing to you? 
Is it pleasing to you? Have I been generous? Have I been grateful? Do I show gratitude in my giving? Do you sense grudging in my giving, Lord God? Do you sense grudging? Are you pleased? Well, the question is, what pleases God? 100,000? 200,000? 500,000? Two? Just two? What pleases God? I'll tell you what pleases God. When you give like he gives, you show that you are like him. And when he sees that you are like him, it pleases any father. It pleases any father when their child is like him. In most cases. <laughs> but it pleases God when you act like him. So when you give to God, give to his work, give to his family, when you give to God, are you saying, Lord, this is how you have given me. I'm going to give back to you the way you or are you saying, Lord, this is how I give to you. You give me like this also. <laughs> I don't think so. Are you getting it? This is not about rupees. And it's not about quantity. It's about the heart behind the giving. Generosity is a heart issue. It's not a bank balance issue. So what is the attitude renewal that we're looking for? What am I challenging us as a congregation in terms of renewal? Two things. Number one is give money to God's work like it's your business. Give money to God's work like it's your business. And number two, give time to God's people like it's your family. Give time to God's people like it's your family. You have a plan. You are about to leave the house. You are about to take off on a holiday. You are about to do something for yourself. And a family member suddenly just shows up. A family member suddenly calls and says, I have a need. What do you do? <laughs> a family just shows up at your home. What do you do? You don't think. You don't think. You don't think. Families come. That's it. Oh, you're going to change your plans? Yeah, family. You don't even think about it. My wife and I sometimes we're driving along the car and we're like, I haven't gone to see mom and dad for a while. You know, my mom and dad just live in Vasankul, not even 10 minutes away from us. And the closer they live, the, the more you know, infrequently you meet them. So I'm like, we need to go and spend time with mom and dad. Why, 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 why do we make that a priority? Why do we think like that? Why do we think, oh, we haven't spent, and when we go, we don't, okay. The meeting <laughs> starts at 6 o'clock. I'm not going to spend five minutes extra with you because I don't have an obligation to you. So 6 o'clock, tell me what time does it finish? 7.30? Home group is finished 7? Small group is finished at 7.30? 7.30? I'm out of here. I have to go because I have made an appointment for 7.40. Nice to see you. <laughs> I'm all the way from Arunachal. Have you said that we moved into Guwahati uh, already? Then after that you go. She's going to Guwahati and then along with Asher we can start that fellowship over there. What was I talking about? You have an appointment at 7.40 for something else and you get up. That's enough. That's enough family time. I don't. When you're with family, you don't count. 
comfortable. Your watch, your watch, your watch, your wallet and your watch. How do you spend time with family? Well, you don't, you don't think about it. How do you spend time with a client? You don't think about it. It's my client, it's my business. I have to do this business. And you come out and say, what can I do? The meeting went on. How, how, am, I, how else am I supposed to put food on the table? Yeah? And yet, when it comes to the matters of God, His people, worship and the word, disciplines of the faith, giving to God's work, all the excuses in its most rational and educated frame come to rise. Two ways you can renew your attitude of giving. Number one, give money to God's work like it's your business. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches, verse 19. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 through 12. I'm almost finished, cheer up. He who supplies seeds to the sower. You got that? You got that? You got that? You got that? This is the agrochemicals. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply. Underline that. Will supply and multiply your seed for Increase in the harvest of your righteousness. I repeat, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increasing the. See, he's not even saying you sow and I'll increase the multiplication of it. I'll increase the fruit. He said, I'll increase your sowing. Did you get that? So that you sow and then you reap and then I'll, I'll increase your ability to sow because God seems to believe more in the principle of sowing and reaping than you and I do. Why do you not have enough time? Because you don't give enough time to God. Why do you not have enough money? Because you don't give enough to God. It's as simple as that. It is as simple as that. You want blessing on your money? Give it to God. You want blessing on your time? Give it to God. Whenever it comes to God's work and God's family, never cringe. Never cringe. Never think twice. It's my business. I'm going to spend more time in eternity than I'm going to spend on earth. That's my business. I'm going to spend more time with this family in eternity than on earth. That's my family. Give money to God like it's your business. Verse 12, for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, so it's supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Number two, give time to God's people like it's your family. Second Corinthians 8 verse 4 says, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints, and this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first. Underline that. They gave them, I'm sorry this is kind of out of context, but it's in the same theme. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Paul is talking about the Corinthians and he said not only did they, he's talking to the Corinthians, he says not only did the Thessalonians give generously, but they gave themselves first. Here pastor, here's a check. I don't have the time. Sorry, please do excuse me. If Jesus had said that, your sins would not be covered. When Jesus hung on the cross, it was full time, full life. Am I, am I emotionally manipulating you? Yes. <laughs> because emotions is the language we speak. Because if you stand in front of the cross and you're not moved emotionally to give your life back to Jesus, then I don't know what will allow you. They gave themselves first. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24. This is the scripture. This is the command. Hebrews 24 and 25. Verse 10. Chapter 10 verse 24. Let us consider. Let us think. Let us 
manage, let's calculate how to stir up one another to love and good works by not neglecting meeting together. Not neglecting meeting together. Not neglect, what does it say there? Not neglecting meeting together. You got it, good. Good, 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 good. As the habit of some is, <laughs> habit of some is to neglect meeting but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. With every passing day, fellowship should become more and more important, more and more important, more and more important. The last thing you want is to be flying into heaven as Jesus calls your name and the person next to you is a stranger. Hey, how are you doing? You're coming too? Yeah. You love Jesus? I love Jesus. Which church you go to? Covenant Life. Hey, I go to Covenant Life now. Not neglecting the meeting together. Let's close. My brothers, my sisters, my friends, whatever you give your money and your time to, whatever, wallet and watch, yeah? Whatever you give your money and your time to, that's what is important in your life. Fact. Okay, let me put it this way. Whatever you give your money and your time to, that's what's going to become important in your life. So how do you make something important? Give it money, give it time. It's not a money problem. It's a faith problem. It's not a money problem. It's a faith problem. You've been lied to that if you don't have enough, you can't give enough. You don't have enough because you don't give enough. It's not a time problem. It's a love problem. Look at it. Write it down. Underline it. It's not a time problem. It's a love problem. You've been misguided. You think that you have only 24 hours and you don't have enough time. You have all the time in the world to live the life God has intended for you. If God intended for you to live a certain life and he didn't give you enough time, bad on him. But he has given enough life, has given enough time. Will you ask God to renew your passion for giving? Today, 25th of February, will you ask God, God, in my spiritual renewal, as I work my way towards Easter this, this, this year, Will you renew a passion for giving? I want to be a giver. I want to give easily. I don't want to give grudgingly. I want to be generous. I want to experience this, this conduit philosophy of the more I give, the more God makes me able to give. The more I'm generous, the more God puts me in a position of generosity to give. The more I sow, he puts me, he puts in my hand more seed to sow. God, I want to see a renewal in my passion for giving. I want to give to people. I want to give myself to people. Lord God, change my heart. Correct the lies. Give me faith. Give me love. Will you ask God to renew your passion for giving? Giving money to his work like it's your business. Giving time to his people like they are your family. With every head bowed and every eye closed, say something to God and make a commitment and prepare your heart to respond in worship.